Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, uh, I just wanted to, I was doing a podcast um, about turning 40. And so just looking back at my life, and then it's more like the emotional kind of journey that I've been on. Um, obviously, the most important things in my life have been my children. So 30 to 40 was really like a time when I had my my kids. And so that changed me probably the most, um, all the emotional and the like the stuff with my church and everything that I talk about in this podcast I feel like I was led down that path by having children and seeing what's truly important um because as a parent you're in charge of teaching your kids what you think is right what you think is um the best way to live a life and to me around the age of like um I think 30s when I left my Mormon religion it's a really tricky spot when you already have kids like two kids and you're really like stuck in the middle of that culture but I might talk about just kind of my headspace over the last 40 years and just feel like coming into 40 I couldn't be happier with where I'm at and I really appreciate all of you that listen because even though it's not as many as um, I thought I would have at this point. It's still a pretty decent number. And there was a quote that I just barely heard at this. Uh, I went to this door-to-door -door conference in Utah. Those door-to-door -door things are very bizarre. But the culture, I guess, is uh, these people like love each other. It's like a little family away from their families. And so um, this one guy, he just said that this is a Sam Kinison quote. But he said, let me find it. I read this again later, but I thought this was pretty good. And this is kind of how I'm going to start to live my life. Because, where the freak is it? It's not about everyone liking you. It's about a small percentage of the world fucking loving you. It's kind of how this guy lives his life, and I get caught up all the time. I think that was my biggest downfall. Um, I was too caught up in everybody liking me and doing everything the way I thought everybody wanted me to. And so I was like, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Like, at this, I was this. At this, I was this. And now I'm able to just be me. And so... Um, like I said, this is not really about my relationships or I don't really talk a lot about like my kids. It's just like my emotional journey. Obviously my kids, are the most important thing that's ever happened to me. Biggest thing that's ever happened. Um, my marriage to Jamie, that was for the most part, it was really amazing. Um, learned a lot about both of ourselves and we've both grown a lot since then. And then my relationship with Kelsey, um, those are kind of the biggest things in my life and super appreciative for all those relationships. Well, hopefully you guys enjoy this. Love you. Experience true vulnerability, how to overcome trials. You will laugh, cry, and experience everything in between. Welcome to the King of Corona podcast. Brought to you by Tyler Griffith. Are What's up, guys? Hey, I wanted to jump on because I just turned 40. And a lot has happened in 40 years for me. And so I wanted to kind of just talk about my life, my experiences, and the things that have impacted me the most. 
and then kind of where I'm trying to take my life. And then like all my other podcasts, I'm really just trying to give information, put things out there to try to help somebody else, like not have to make the same mistakes that I've made. And then also do some of the stuff right that I've done. So if this helps you in any way, um, share it with people. The more people you share it with, the more people it's going to help. And I think probably one of the biggest lessons I've learned that, so I feel like I was very selfish. Like I've been selfish a lot in my life. I still am. Like I think deep down all of us want selfish things, but sometimes I tend to like focus on myself a little bit too much. And so I think I was scared that there wasn't enough. There wasn't like abundance in anything. It was always like scarcity and there was never enough to go around. That was like my biggest like thought that was like ruining my life because if I found something that was helpful for me, I wanted to keep it for myself. I didn't want to share it. Like I was very, like, like I said, selfish. And I felt like this just wasn't enough. And so now that I'm 40 and I'm doing all the things that I love, like the music, the running, this and that, like part of you wants to be this like unique individual that's like, yeah, I do music and like I'm the music person. And then like, or I do these ultra runs and like I'm the ultra runner of the family or like you want to define yourself as like these different things. And so a lot of times I catch myself like withholding or not sharing just because I don't want to be copied because I don't like losing like my originality and having, I don't know, there's just something like that was built into me growing up where I felt like if you found something that was working for you, it was better for you just to keep it and hide it and not like share it and that's something that i've really worked hard to like not do that anymore um that's really like why i started this podcast um i was listening to joe rogan a lot and he was always sharing like all his ideas about how he writes his stand-up comedy and like initially when i listened to his podcast i was like this guy's so stupid he's gonna like tell everybody how he does it and then they're gonna copy him and then he's gonna have all this competition and then he's gonna like get like pushed out and really what's happened is because he's like super super helpful and shares and like everybody loves him he gets bigger and bigger and bigger and so by him helping he's now like the biggest show on the whole planet and so for me i've had to try to like get away from that selfish mindset so like the music and stuff there's friends of mine that i feel like that have better voices than me that they're better at music than me and you sometimes like don't want to like go play with them because then like you're not going to look as good but it doesn't really matter because you're as good as you are and they're as good as they are and then it actually makes it more dynamic when you have more people that are good and so just uh i feel like that's why i'm starting to get everything like get everything coming to me that i've wanted my whole life because i've let go of this try to control everything mentality and looking back so Oh, I'm not going to, like, break it down. Like, year one, I was a little baby. And year, I'm going to just talk about, like, 
So like, let's do like zero to 10. So zero to 10, I feel like I was just a little kid, like soaking everything in, your little sponge. And so whatever you're taught is what you're taught. You can kind of fill things out. I don't really remember like those years that well. I remember maybe like eight to 10 or like seven to zero are just like basically gone. Um, I have a few memories, I guess, here and there. But eight to 10, I do remember like being very like, just very into the church. Like my life just seemed like it was like Mormonism. Like it was just all Mormonism, like the people we hung out with, um, everything that we talked about. Like we had um, family home evenings, which was on Monday nights. We all had like young men's on Wednesday nights. And then we had Boy Scouts. And then we had church on Sunday for like three hours. And then there's visiting teachers, home teachers, the missionaries would come over. And my parents were really big on trying to like get the missionaries to teach our friends. And so if our friends would come over, they would talk to our friends about the church. It was just like always like just church related. So when I was eight, I got baptized. And I don't remember, I don't really remember the feelings like getting baptized. I felt like I just did it to do it. But that kind of started, I guess, my path down um, all the Mormon years that I had. And so there's a lot of good, like a lot of good within the church. I was just reading like an old journal entry. And it was talking about, I can't find it anymore. Dang it, I had it pulled up and then I lost it. But I had a really, really strong testimony. Like at one point, I really believed really strongly that the church was true. And then I went through a phase in high school where I like abandoned that a little bit and then went on a mission and then I got it back. And then I got back from my mission. And like I was like very straight laced. I was talking to this guy. We used to this door to door con. And so it's like this uh, very like bro culture. Everybody's pretty outgoing. The guys are all like, it's just, it's like a, just this culture where most people are like pretty decent looking and they're hooking up. And, but there's a lot of like, uh, there's a lot of really good people in this industry, but I was talking to somebody and he was asking about my upbringing and like my dating before getting married. And he's like, were you like a good Mormon? Like, did you like believe in it? He's like, you were like messing around and stuff, right? And I was like, honestly, at age 21. So I just gotten back from two years with no sexual anything, no kissing, like hugs was it, like hugs, like not, nothing was sex, like in my prime of like my sexual crazy hormonal state. And so no sex from like 19 to 21. Then I got home and then I started dating and I met my ex-wife and we dated for two years, like over two years with not having sex with each other. And so that's how committed, like imagine like who's ever listening to this, like dating somebody for longer than like a month or two without doing something. I guess like if you're Mormon listening to this, like you're probably still in the same shoes as me, but I was, I'm just trying to prove the point that I was really like bought into that. If 
me and my ex too, like messed up sexually doing anything else that wasn't sex, then I would feel guilty and I'd go talk to my bishop and be like, hey, I messed up. And then he would give me a punishment like you can't take the sacrament for this long or you can't go to the temple. And so for me, being a mission, like off a mission, you're trying to be like this amazing, like you're trying to be perfect, essentially, and nobody can be perfect. And so it starts to put like all this pressure on you, like so much fucking pressure to be something that you don't really want to be. And so I feel like that's where it started to be like my mission. Once I went to the temple and I, I made all these promises, that's when I kind of like, that's when I gave my life to the church and let it kind of control me. And then I just became a product of, um, like they were just teaching and saying, like, I was, I was just supposed to accept that everything that was coming my way was correct and not like go against it. And then I got to a point where I just didn't believe it anymore. Um, I had Sophie. So Sophie, when I was 28, I believe Tucker, when I was 20, or like 29 30 Sophie was 20 I don't know she's 12 almost 13 so but uh like I was like 20 late 20s early 30s when I was having my kids and I was really bought into this culture and so loved my family I loved like things about my life but in my head I felt like completely fake i felt like when i would see my high school friends and when i'd see people that i could truly communicate with on a real level they could tell that i wasn't really being like the true version of myself and it was really hard like it was really hard for me to like just abandon a side of me that was really really important and so i would do like we'd have a lot of fun, like go do normal family vacations, like go to Mexico, like go, we were always going to church and like normal activities. But slowly I started to like, just lose the reason why I was doing it. Like I was doing it for other people. And so it made it really hard for me to do it. And so I started to be kind of an asshole. And I started to get really angry. I started to get really resentful. And so I was really like with my kids, I've always been like a sweet, very like kind dad. I've always like had their best interests, but like I started to question everything I was teaching them. I just didn't believe it. And I was like, why am I going to teach them this if all it's going to do is I'm going to raise my kids to grow up to be disappointed in me because I'm teaching them that all the things that I do are bad. And so I got to this point where it was like a huge conflict. I was like, you can't like, you're just, you're kind of being like a hypocrite. Like you're teaching your kids this, you're living this way. You're putting forth this image that you're like better than you actually are. And, or not better than you are, but that you're something that you're not. And then I have this like second, like this other life that I was kind of living. And so that was where I would lie um, I would go drink behind my ex-wife's back. I wouldn't tell her because it was against my religion. Um, and then it turned into where I started to like seek attention from 
it was like trying to seek attention from girls in a way where it was like it would make me feel better about myself because I didn't have confidence um, because I don't think I was really being who I was. And so I was seeking for outside external things to make me feel a sense of belonging and a sense of not belonging, but a sense of uh, like just feeling like, okay, like I'm a good person. Like if they think I'm a good person, I'm a good person because I wasn't confident enough to tell myself that I was a good person. I had to get the approval from everybody else around me in order to feel like that's who I was. And so that went on for a long time. Like that went on for like way too long. And I got used, I would say like I was probably considered a pathological liar. Like I would lie about everything. I'd lie about if I was golfing, if I was going to lunch, if I was doing this, like if there was going to be confrontation at all, I would lie. And I just got so used to it. I was like, okay, if I say this, is it going to cause a fight? Like if I went to a bar and there was alcohol, like I'm just going to say I didn't drink, obviously. Or if I went to like Hooters or something and there's girls like with their tops half off, like I would just say I went to Chili's or I would say like, I just started to lie because it was like the church and the, like that lifestyle didn't allow me to do that stuff that was like bringing me to life. So every time I felt alive, it was things I wasn't supposed to be doing. And so, but yeah, it went on for like a really, really long time, like probably like 10 years, 10 years of just like lying. And like when I could get away, I would do things and just, it just got out of control to the point where I had an affair. And then that really like sucked my soul away from me. It really did. And the thing about that affair was every time that like the only way I could even do it was I had to like get drunk. And so that's how sad and lonely I was like in my heart. Like first I used this person just to try to make myself feel better, which it was making me feel worse. And I had to do it with alcohol too, to numb the pain. And so it was like to the point where like sometimes you almost wouldn't even remember. And so broke that off and had this like, what is happening to me phase of my life. And this kind of happened around, um, it was like, like a year, I think it was like a year before Tucker got diagnosed with cancer. And so where I started to work on myself. So one of these journal entries that I was reading was talking about how I went back to church. Like I completely convinced myself that like the church is true. Like it brings me happiness. The only way to be happy and to save my marriage is to go back to church. And I took like a 20 milligram edible. I talked about this like earlier, I think in another podcast, but I took like a 20 milligram edible and I got on my knees and I started to pray. And I was like, like, why, why I'm in this dark place? Like I've done so many things I'm not proud of. And I just want to be like a better person. Like, what's the solution? Like, what would make my life better? And I just sat there and I started to kind of like, I don't know, I was like very vivid. I could see like my grandparents' faces. Like, I really remember seeing my two grandmas that like have passed away. And it was almost like this feeling of like, if you go back to church, it's going to fix a lot of the problems that you're going through. 
and you could probably like save your marriage and you can probably like save your name in the church and in the neighborhoods. And I just think I was kind of making my name like as like, uh, like the part, uh, just like a liar, probably. Like, I think there was rumors going around like Tyler drinks. And then this is like, I was always on the defensive trying to like save my name that I didn't even want to have. But so I was like, the only way to do this is like, I got to go back to church. It's either going to be like, I got to lie forever or go back to church. And so convinced myself, saw like my grandparents and like, we had like a little like really high talk where I was like tripping balls. And <laughs> basically I just committed like, you know what? I, this is right. I'm going to do this because if I don't, I'm going to lose like everything. I'm going to lose everything. And like, I don't want to be selfish. I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to do this shit that I don't really like. And I'm going to do it because it's going to make all these people happy. And so I got sucked back in to like to make everybody happy. Kept it going for maybe like a year. And then when Tucker got hit with cancer, that's when like my whole world kind of fell apart. And all this, everything that was like fake in my head, everything I was doing for everybody else just became like too much. I couldn't do it. Like I was like, I felt like I was carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders all the time. And so I decided to confess, like Tucker had cancer and I decided like, so I had ended that affair, but I decided to come talk to my ex and just tell her like, hey, this happened, like told on myself. And this is the hardest thing ever, it was horrible. And um, went and talked to my bishop and everything and they decided to disfellowship me. And it was just like in that moment where I was getting disfellowshipped that I, I realized I don't believe. I didn't believe in it. And one of the guys in this council, because there's a few guys that like decide what they're going to do with you. Like if they're going to excommunicate you, if they're going to disfellowship you, if they're going to do nothing. And this guy, he just looked at me and he asked me, he said, if you and Jamie don't work out, like do, will you even come back to church? Or are you just here for Jamie or your ex? And I said, that's just for my marriage. And in that moment, I left. I never came back. They just fellowshiped me. And like, that was it for me because I knew that I was just doing that for somebody else. And then pretty soon after that, like, try to make it work. I tried really, 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 really hard to be like what everybody wanted me to be. The people that I guess I was around, like parents, spouse and just decided like I could I couldn't do that like it was it was exhausting this is when I started doing these long runs and so I decided to just really like fuck up my life for a minute which I would imagine was really difficult on my ex really difficult on my kids but I just knew if I stayed and didn't like pursue all the wild and crazy inside of me that it was never going to go away it was never going to go away and I just had to explore like the freer side and so about 37 is when so like 30 to 30 I skipped a lot like of years there but basically like the first half of my life was just like learning and then kind of like 
knowing who you were going to be because you were being put into that life and it didn't feel like you could escape it. And I went through a rebellious stage where it was like, I'm going to take advantage of these years just to have fun because I know the rest of my life is going to be this boring Mormon nightmare. And so I used my high school years to party and whatnot. But then after your mission, you got to wear these underwear and you got to like go and serve and do this church stuff forever, which like to me sounded like a very, very slow, painful death. And so, but I did that. Like there was obviously, like I said, moments between like when I did the mission, like a lot of really, really good moments, like the birth of my kids, obviously, like, I mean, all the vacations and I mean, it wasn't just like all focused on religion. And so I talked about this, like just recently on a podcast, like I throw the baby out with the bathwater a lot. And so like, but my mind, I can't live a lie. I just can't live a lie. I can't do something and preach something different. It just is really difficult for me. And so it just got to the point where it wasn't working. And so in three years, like three years, 37 to 40, I would say more happened in those three years for me personally, like in my personal growth than any other years in my entire life. And it's because I allowed myself to fuck up. Like I allowed myself to make mistakes. I allowed myself to like be vulnerable, put my stuff on this podcast. Um, I allowed myself to just be stupid, post like jokes on social media, started playing guitar and just was very vulnerable and put that stuff out there also. And just, I really started to find myself and like the person that, I found that I loved was this authentic, doesn't really give a fuck person that was what always felt like me. It's like what always felt like me. And the reason I felt like I was giving so many fucks is because of everybody else. Like I was just talking to Kelsey today and I was like, I wish I did have a platform where I could just like really freely express like how I really am without being judged because my Facebook and my Instagram, I guess I have TikTok, but like nobody, I, nobody that I know uses it. And like the way that app works, nobody sees your shit, but being like truly authentic and saying what you want and just being like the best version of yourself is like who I am. That's who I am. And I kind of feel like that's how everybody is. So I went to this door to door con. Um, and there's a quote I just got reminded of by talking about everything I just talked about. But let's see here. Not that guy. It's not about everyone liking you. It's about a small percentage of the world fucking loving you. Okay, there's this guy. I don't remember what his name was, but that's like basically the quote that he lives his life by. And I was thinking about that because I was looking around the room. This guy was talking about his past and he had gotten into like cocaine and he got arrested and put in jail for like six years. And then he got out and got a second chance at life. And... 
the way he was talking, he was saying fuck a lot. He was, I mean, talking about like being a, he was basically like drug dealers are the best entrepreneurs, but he's kind of funny. But there was like half the faces of like, I could tell were like kind of feeling uncomfortable and that he should like tone the way down that he was talking. And the other half thought it was funny and like authentic and well appreciated it. And like the version, the people in the audience, their reactions and who they were, like, it's the only way to live your life to be authentic because who do I want to like me? The people that I have to say what they want me to say to like me? Like, this is the stupidest fucking relationship ever. So I've decided to be myself and who's ever there is there. And it just really hit me hard because, like, all I need is a small percentage to love me. Just a small percentage and I have that. I have that. And... I think when you focus on that and you, you focus on like giving and you focus more on like abundance, then maybe it grows. But even if it doesn't and you just have a small percentage that love you, like it's just more rewarding and more meaningful to have like just like if you had like four people, if you have one person, if you have two people, they really love you and it's the version of you that you love, then that's all you need. If you're being you and a lot of people love you, that's cool, but that's also because you're being authentic and they love like the authentic version of you. And so for me, I just gave myself kind of finally like grace, gave myself like a hall pass to just really try to be who I feel like I am and I feel really, really blessed that it's all working out, that I'm at 40, I'm engaged, I got another baby coming, I get like a new, sh another shot at life. It feels like a brand new life, 40 just wrapped up, and now there's a whole new 40 years, hopefully more, but where I can just do and become best version of myself until the day that I die and for me personally like I would love for everybody out there to experience like what I've experienced like getting away from caring what people think like being truly authentic and speaking the way that you feel not speaking the way that you're supposed to really really trying to find a belief that's meaningful to you like i really am coming all the way back like i believed in like jesus but i believed in like joseph smith and the mormon church and like their version that they're the one and only true church and so like i abandoned ship on the whole jesus thing and now i've come like almost full circle lost most like pretty much all my mormon beliefs minus like they're still christian they still believe in christ that he came and died and suffered for us and so going back to church is uh it's bringing me like more spirituality i feel like that's something that everybody needs in their life like spirituality i think it's really important to have intimate relationships jordan peterson he was talking and he said there's seven things that most people need in order to feel like fulfilled um i only caught the first one because i had to leave and go catch a 
catch an airplane back home, but one of them was like an intimate relationship. I'm just going to guess a couple of them because um, I just think like health, your health, health is obviously like super important. You have to have like good health, good diet, getting like overweight and letting yourself go and smoking and drinking and doing shit that's like going to hurt your health. Like I don't see how a happy soul could reside in an unhealthy body. Like if you have a disease like cancer, that like that type of thing, you can't do anything about it. But if you're able to like make changes and better yourself, like you kind of owe it to yourself to see what that feels like to be a healthy version of yourself. Um, like having a really good relationship. I don't think it's like really all it's cracked up to be to be single and out there fucking everybody. It's like lonely. And you're always just chasing the next, like, the what, the next one? And, like, when does it end? And, like, it's just to have somebody to share your life with, um, I think, is the most amazing thing ever. For humans, like, there's been studies where, like, people that are alone die way earlier than people that are in healthy relationships. I would say healthy, though. You should get in a healthy relationship, not an unhealthy relationship um and then financial like obviously everybody's got to have like your bills paid so you can have your mortgage your rent but i think there's a way for everybody to create their financial freedom or like a financial life that they're good with if you want to put the work in i don't think it's all about becoming a doctor a lawyer and like making like as much money as you can make I remember, I remember like my decision when I was in college, I don't know what I wanted to be, but the only thing I knew is I wanted to make like over a hundred thousand dollars. That's all I knew. And so I'd look at all the jobs I was like interested in and it was like 40,000, 30,000, 50,000. And I was like, okay, like the only way I can make over a hundred is to be like a dentist, a doctor, this or that. But then I know my personality and so I started down like the dental pad, like I want to be a dentist just because my focus and what I wanted was money. And then I realized pretty quick that wasn't for me. And then I got into business just to just to like set myself up so I could make money. But I think there's a lot there's a lot more out there that I'm trying to pursue, like the music, the podcast. And but I have like the the financial freedom because I put in the work to set up an office to where you get an override. And so I think everybody can set up a life that's meaningful for them financially. Um, and then I do think like spirituality is huge. I think you like do kind of need spirituality in your life. That's something I've realized like to fully abandon it and just be like almost atheist and have no real hope of anything after this life was pretty disparaging. I think that's a word for me. Um, so those right there are the things that I would like focus on health, wealth, um, spirituality, relationships, and then whatever else I said. Um, but I really appreciate you guys, the small little clan that I have that listens, that loves me unconditionally and 
Um, I just barely, I'm working on a new song right now. And so I'm going to, I don't know if I can attach it to this one because this is a video one. So um, I don't know if I can put the song at the end of this, but maybe I'll just, I'll maybe just release the song that I'm working on because it kind of goes well with this podcast. So you guys can listen to it, but here's to another 40 years. Bye bitches. I'm gonna 